today on Abounding Grace. We're not enemies in Christ. We're brothers and sisters that are fighting the good fight of faith, moving forward in what God has for us, not to condemn and belittle and put each other down, even though we have difficulties. And people give up on the church because of friction and difficulties, you know? They say, ah, forget about it. I had a bad experience. I'm never going back to church. not going back to that church, that church, any church. I hate church. Because you've been hurt. And the place of healing is actually the church. And when you run away from the church, you run away from God really helping you to heal. This is amazing grace. Hello, and welcome to Abounding Grace at our continuing study in Hebrews. We'll meet up with Pastor Ed Taylor in chapter 11 in just a second. This chapter is often referred to as the Hall of Faith, as it recalls men and women God used. It's interesting to notice that God emphasizes their faith, not their failures. And Pastor Ed believes that's a clue as to how we should view ourselves and others for that matter. Faith pleases God. Faith pleases God. It's how he desires us to live. And when God looks in this room today, he sees what he's done in your life, and he doesn't necessarily focus on your failures. We, we have a tendency to focus on our own weaknesses and focus on our failures. And some today are living in what I call a perpetual state of self-condemnation, where you just beat yourself up relentlessly for your failures. Long distance past, recent past, maybe something that's just been happening in the last week or so. And you are in a perpetual state of condemnation. Even though the Bible teaches you that in Jesus Christ there's no condemnation, there's no belittling yourself, there's no tearing down, many people still today choose to live in that state. It's truly a place of faithlessness in the word of God. Would you turn over to Romans chapter 8 verse 1 with me? It's a place of disobedience. It's a place where you are failing to see the goodness of God in your life, in the land of the living. And it's good to be reminded in Romans chapter 8, there in verse 1, of the importance of this truth. And we're going to read this together, so I want you to read out loud. I'm going to read from the New King James. You can read from any version you have. If you need a Bible, grab one from the chair in front of you. Or if the person next to you has a nice leather one, you can have that one too. Or you go, wait a minute, Ed, the guy next to me has an iPhone. Go ahead and take it. It's all right. It's yours. But let's read this together uh, in your own Bibles because I want you to hear it, and I'm going to make a point in a moment, but I want it to come out of your own lips, not just mine. So we're going to pick up Romans chapter 8, verse 1. You ready? There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, if you'd like to write in your Bible, circle the word now. Every time you read Romans 8.1, it is now. You, you'll never read it in a moment that isn't now. And in every now moment of your life, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. None. Not even a little bit. 
There, there is no condemnation. There's no beating yourself up. You will get nowhere in your life of faith by continuing to beat yourself up. Jesus Christ took the beating on your behalf. Jesus Christ sacrificed his life, shed his blood so you will no longer need to live a condemning life. Listen, we all have paths. And as I mentioned, when they created cars, they made the windshield this big and the rearview mirror this big for a reason. Because the life of faith is forward, not backward. The just shall live by faith, and the life of faith is forward. Oh, I know that if we could go backwards and change things with what we know now, we would absolutely change things. But if you feel that way, that's a sign of spiritual growth. That's a sign. Like for you to look back and go, man, I really blew it. It's not a place of condemnation, but it's a place of spiritual growth. A sweet sister came up after the service. Uh, I know their situation. And she asked me, she was talking about condemnation and some of the cycles that she's in and depression. She wanted me to pray for her. And as she was describing it, you could see on her countenance, she was sad. She was sad describing. But as she was describing to me she, the situation that she's in, very briefly, she, she was also telling me some of the progress that she's made. And, and just the fact that she's talking about it. And so I paused, I stopped her and I said, look, I, I want you to know, as you're describing the situation, your face is very down, but I want to tell you something. The fact that you're asking for prayer, the fact that you see it happening in your life, the fact that you don't want it in your life, the fact that you're looking for help from God is a good thing. And her face immediately lit up. It's a good thing. It's a good thing that God has revealed this to you. You look back in your past, you go, I didn't have this revelation about myself before. But now God is revealing to me that he doesn't want me to live this way. He wants me to trust him with my life. He, he wants to, to pull me out. He wants to change me from the inside out. And that's good news. The just shall live by faith. We live by faith trusting God. Not always emphasizing our weaknesses. Listen to how the New Living Translation translates this. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, it says, So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Jesus Christ. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. And we're going to learn a lot about these men and women that God used, that what God emphasizes is their life of faith not their failures. And you and I would do well to emphasize our life of faith and not our failures because it will build us in our faith, trusting God for whatever he might bring our way. We often get, and I can speak for myself, get caught up in the impossibility of the situation. It just looks impossible. It feels impossible. It seems impossible. But when we think of impossibilities, we need to remember back in Hebrews chapter 11 that it's impossible to please God with, without faith. And so I want to please God with my life. And the requirement that God has for me is to trust him, to trust him. No matter what I feel, no matter what I see, faith brings me into the spiritual realm. Another guy that God uses in the scriptures to show us the positive progress of a believer is a guy by the name of Timothy. He was a younger man. We don't know exactly how old he was, but he was a younger man that had taken over the ministry uh, over in Ephesus, and he was beginning to want to quit. He was ready to throw in the towel. We learn a lot about him in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, those letters toward the end of the Bible, because Paul writes to him to encourage him in the weakness of his life. But, but he, had, he was sickly, he was timid, 
He was fearful. He was ready to throw in the towel. He was ready to quit. He was like, anywhere but here. I don't like it here. I don't want it here. And he's ready to go on. And what Paul does is he writes to him. And in the last chapter of 1 Timothy, in verse 11, Paul tells Timothy this, the weak one, the ready to quit one, the one that's done, the one that's ready to move on, doesn't know what to do, doesn't know how to do it. This is what Paul tells him. But you, O man of God, now, we may not think that's a big deal because we use that phrase so loosely now. We call everybody a man of God. And women that are following Jesus, we call them women of God. We have that phrase. But if you study that in the scriptures, you'll find that it, that phrase wasn't used for too many people. It was used just for a few people in the scriptures, Timothy being one of them. Moses, another man of great failure, he was called a man of God. Elisha called a man of God. David in his failures called a man of God. And now Timothy in his weaknesses called a man of God. It's a special title. Why? Because God places it upon us. It's not what we call each other. God looks past our weaknesses. And we would do well to follow him. Church, we need to be careful in over-condemning ourselves or condemning ourselves at all. Yes, you have weaknesses, and yes, you have failures. But Jesus looks out today and sees such great potential in this church family. Every group, he looks and sees what's possible in your life. He sees your progress. He rejoices in your growth. Condemnation does nothing but destroy the faith of a Christian and brings hopelessness. But let me give you a second one, and that is this. We need to also be careful not to condemn one another. Because it's easy to see each other's failures. It's easy to see each other's weaknesses. It's easy to point them out. They're, they're obvious. Especially as we come together in this fellowship family. You know, God placed us in this fellowship family. He's the one that created the church. He's the one that started this church. And he's put us together for mutual love and encouragement, not to tear down and belittle one another and condemn one another for the weaknesses that are among us. As God gathers us together, this should be a place where our faith grows. Where as we learn, go back to Hebrews chapter 10, as we learn in verse 24 that we're not to forsake the gathering together, but in verse 24 we're to consider one another, to stir up love and good works. That's God's will for your life. God's will for your life when you gather together is to stir up love and good works. Not to forsake our gathering together, but to make sure that you obey him in looking to help one another, grow one another, pray for one another, to see love among the church, to stir up love and good works, not to pick and point out every weakness and failure and all the difficulties that are in this room. Because there is friction whenever you gather together. There's always friction and difficulty among God's people. Did you know that? <laughs> Maybe, you know, you're like, yeah, Ed, I've, I've faced a lot of friction in the church. But have you considered that you also are a source of friction? It's not everybody friction towards you. Sometimes you're the source because we're the same. And we all need an abundance of grace. You know, we use the word friction a lot. I had to look it up just so we know the definition. Because we use it, and we kind of fill with our own definitions. The dictionary defines friction as this. The clash of differing opinions or attitudes. Doesn't that describe us, our day and age? The clash of differing opinions. We live in the day where opinion is even elevated above the word of God. Lord, forgive us. 
God's word is sure and steadfast and trumps all of our opinions and overcomes all of our attitudes so that we can come together and have the spirit of God release the friction that's among us. Isn't that great? Through love and forgiveness, God is able to do great things. Have you ever seen the church body as a group of people that God has brought together and that friction's gonna happen and it's gonna require the agape love of God? so that we don't get all upset with each other and we don't start condemning one another and take that opposition like in Galatians says that we start to bite and devour one another as believers. That brings no progress for the gospel. It kind of makes the, gives, the church, or gives the world another opportunity to laugh and mock at the church because we're too busy fighting one another instead of in unity together in Christ fighting the real enemy. And the enemy is not the person sitting next to you. Would you just look at the person sitting next to you and say, you're not my enemy. Just say it out loud. You're not my enemy. Now go to the other side. You're not my enemy. Would somebody please say it to me? Please. Please. You always forget me. We're not enemies in Christ. We're brothers and sisters that are fighting the good fight of faith. Moving forward in what God has for us. Not to condemn and belittle and put each other down. Even though we have difficulties. And people give up on the church because of friction and difficulties, you know? They say, ah, oh, forget about it. I had a bad experience. I'm never going back to church. I'm not going back to that church, that church, any church. I hate church. Because <laughs> you've been hurt. And the place of healing is actually the church. And when you run away from the church, you run away from God really helping you to heal. And, and I know we laugh a little bit. First of all, I want to say I'm sorry that you were hurt in the church or in this church. And if that came from me personally, then I personally ask for your forgiveness. It isn't my intention to hurt, but at times we make mistakes with one another and we sin against each other. It happens to all of us. And this should be the place, like our homes, of love and forgiveness. Because what? Love covers a multitude of sins. So don't give up on the church because of a little bit of friction. You don't do that when you go shopping. You don't just say, oh, I hate King Supers. I'm never going back. Well, what's the matter? Well, as I was going around and making a left turn by the, by the bananas, another cart hit me. And I was like, oh, I hate this place. I don't know how to drive their carts here. I'm, not, I'm never shopping at King Supers. I'm going to go to Safeway. And the same thing happened. Now, you guys listening to this uh, in another state, King Supers is a really weird name for our grocery store here. <laughs> it's really weird. But that's where we go shopping. But you guys got weird stores too, like Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> so, all right, so don't judge us. And so you give up on, nobody gives up on a grocery store because of a bad, nobody gives up on, say, you still go shop. I don't go, oh, well, Ed, I don't go to King Super, I don't go to Safeway, I don't go to Sprouts. Well, where do you go? Because it's part of the process. And so it is with the church. And the church is so different than sh grocery shopping, right? Because the Spirit of God is here. The Spirit of God is here the moment a believer showed up on the property. And then two, and then three, and then a hundred, and then thousands. The Spirit of God is among us, ministering to us. And it will be difficult. Like one person said, to live above with the saints we love will certainly be glory. But to live below with the saints we know, well, that's a different story. And I always like to remind people when they start serving here or maybe come join our team of leadership, I always like to remind them, this isn't heaven. This isn't heaven. 
Heaven is still to come. We're on earth with human beings that make mistakes and say dumb things and do dumb things, sometimes on purpose, but most of the time on accident as we're just growing in grace together. And even though it shouldn't be that way, it shouldn't be a place where we try to avoid, it is at times. And God's intention is for this to be a place of refuge and a help for people that need a touch from God, a place of worship, a community of the redeemed with an open door for those that need to enter into a relationship with him. And if we're not on guard spiritually, watching out for each other, friction is a lot of what we'll see and experience. And if that's a lot of what you see and experience, then you will emphasize that a lot. And one of the defense mechanisms that people have is they never admit that they're wrong. They always find the wrong in other people. And that's just not the way of the Spirit. And God is not wanting to point out every single wrong thing in your life either. He's wanting to show you there's a better way and a higher way. And does he bring conviction of sin? Absolutely. Because without the conviction of sin, we would just pass by like it's no big deal. But the emphasis of God is not for you to condemn yourself. Jesus said in John chapter 3 that he came not to condemn, but to save. God wants to emphasize the saving work in your life so that you take a higher road that you go into a place of agape love. Can I show you a couple more things before we go? Go over to Romans chapter 14 with me. Back into Romans chapter 14. It's not God's will for us to be hypercritical, just filled with opinions and hypercriticalness all the time, but we're rather to build one another up. We're to stir up love and good works. Your opinion is not higher than the word of God. So make it a habit of emphasizing the word of God. And if somebody asks your opinion, I hope you develop the habit as I want to develop myself. You say, well, Ed, what's your opinion on this? I hope my response is, what does the word of God say? Because that's where my opinion needs to be. My opinion needs to be, what does God say on the matter? And I shift my thinking to what God says. So notice, I'm going to read it in the New King James, and then I'll also read it to you in the New Living, because I really love how they pulled it out. But here's the New King James, Romans 14, verse 1. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. And verse 4 is key, isn't it? Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. Listen, God is able to make you stand in all your weaknesses today. God is able to make you stand in all your failures. God is able. He is your judge because you serve him, not man. Isn't that great? I love that. Listen to it now in the New Living. Accept other believers who are weak in faith. And don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn another, someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall, and listen, with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. That's where faith accesses the Lord's help. And that's how you're going to make it. You came in here today going, I just don't know how I'm going to make it another day, Ed. You're going to make it with the Lord's help. 
I just don't know what I'm going to do with this. You're going to make it by the Lord's help, moment by moment, day by day, week by week. You're not going to make it in your own strength. You're not going to make it with your own resolutions. You're not going to make it by adopting some new 10-point you know, plan on how to make it. You're going to make it, it says, with the Lord's help, you're going to stand and receive his approval. And it's important for us to grasp this when we start studying the topic of faith. Faith is the hinge. Listen, faith is the hinge on which your whole life turns. The door of your whole life is held together by the hinge of faith. And you don't need a lot of faith. You don't need to build it up and say, well, I have more faith than she does and he does. That's, that's like that critical language. You just bring your faith to God and he will meet you right where you are. That if you came in again today and you had the greatest amount of faith, God loves you. But if you came in today, are you listening on the radio, watching online? You didn't come in at all because you're watching online. And, and you're like in a place of no faith. No faith. The Bible calls that faithlessness. You know what the Bible says? Even we are, when, even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. And the object of our faith is trustworthy. Substance, the title deed, the guarantee, and conviction confidence when the object of your faith is the one true God who sent his son Jesus Christ to die for you in your place in exchange for you so that you might receive the forgiveness of sins your life will forever be changed the Bible says you'll be born again a new creation in Christ old things will pass away behold all things will become new we're not here by random occurrences of evolution we're here because we and everything in the universe was created by God and he spoke it into existence as we'll see in verse 3 in a coming study. Today on Abounding Grace, we've been in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would just like to hear the message again, drop by AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, I'd like to draw special attention to our new e-store found at calvaryco.store. Not only will our listeners find your pick of the month there, but many other helpful resources, right? Yes, Larry, we just redid, revamped our bookstore at the church on the property. And we went from having all of this different inventory and in, in hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of books to a more concise, precise selection of resources that will bless you specifically in the area of growing in your faith. You know, there's a lot of different Christian books out there, a lot of different things, but we decided to be very precise and concise in the inventory that we carry, which leads you leads us to the bookstore online, calvaryco.store. That is a direct link to our inventory, and you can order everything online. It's like you can show up. Even if you live all around the country, you can show up to our bookstore online. And to start with, if you want to email me, uh, pastor, or you can email me at ed at edtaylor.org, ed at edtaylor.org, I can send you and ask for the discipleship reading list. This is a very extremely narrowed down list that will help you grow in your personal walk with the Lord. It's a list I developed for someone like me when I got saved. You know, I couldn't go to school. I couldn't go to seminary. I was raising a family 
and I, I just wanted someone to tell me what books to, to read because I love reading, but I read, I, I ended up buying a lot of bad books. If you've ever, if you've ever purchased a bad Christian book, you know what I mean? It just wasn't what it promised. It wasn't very good. And I, I bought, I bought a lot of bad ones. Well, this list is a lot of good ones and you can go through and just check mark it one by one, one by one growing in your understanding of who Jesus is and what he wants for your life. So go to our website, CalvaryCO, that stands for Colorado, calvaryco.store, and browse around. And it's got a lot of uh, gear, too, you know, a lot of sweatshirts and hats and things from Calvary here if you want to support the ministry. And one final thing, all the net proceeds from our bookstore, from our Resurrection Coffee House that we have on property, and from all our clothing line, all the net proceeds go as an extra check. They get split by the missionaries we send out and they get split at the end of the year and they get an extra check. Isn't that cool? So you're purchasing resources and then you just know that it's all staying in ministry. Thanks for asking. So stop by calvaryco.store. This month we're featuring The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.